All right, my sis, so for today's episode, I'm inviting you to grab your headphones because we're going to be diving into a little bit of a deeper topic and then listen in with an open heart and an open mind. When we are in the process of having greater compassion for others, we also give that to ourselves. Now, this episode might bother some of you. You know, like it was something I thought, oh, I don't want to do a disclaimer. But then I'm like, yeah, because while I have grown in leaps and bounds and in this area, I realize that so many of us, you know, our worth, like literally our worth around our life comes from what we do or don't do with our body. Still yet, like you might even have kids and be struggling with this as I am still untangling in, in a few ways around this. And I can speak in, into this idea of worth and enoughness because we think that we're just going to say, I think I'm enough in that as well. But we leave out one of the biggest parts and that is when we feel that deep within our own bodies. Now, if we, were, if we grew up in this type of environment where our worth was based on what we did or didn't do with our bodies, there is a deep level of trauma that exists. And so today's guest, her name is Jenny. She's a licensed mental health counselor, a somatic experiencing practitioner. She is a national researcher on purity culture and the effects that it has on young women. This episode is really not to change anybody's mind or say what is right, wrong, good, or bad, but it's really to share truth from a maybe a different lens than yours. And so know that it comes from deep love as you will hear in her voice, as you will hear in my voice. We get very open and vulnerable in our experiences. And ultimately, the biggest intention is another level of freedom. Another level of freedom where we can express ourselves, express our emotions, and find a place of ultimate autonomy. So I hope you enjoy this. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Beyond the Reef Podcast, a show dedicated to the driven island woman who has checked all the boxes and still feels like something is missing. I am your hostess, Uilani Tevanga, a wife, a mother, a wahine embodiment mentor and intuitive business coach with over a decade in mentoring female entrepreneurs to source freedom and fulfillment from within. I believe the freedom that brings so many to entrepreneurship is multidimensional and it expands into new levels the deeper we get to know ourselves. Consider this show that invitation. What does the reef represent in your own life? Regardless of the stage you are in with your business, imagine if you were able to unlock greater levels of abundance from within, that it was no longer dependent on just what you do, but how you amplify the truth of who you already are. Through open conversations around feminine embodiment and business, emotional mastery, spirituality, and a reclamation of pleasure, oh yeah, we're going there. We will explore the most powerful resource you have yourself. You're about to go beyond the barriers you think are keeping you stuck. It's time to awaken the mana within so we can go beyond the reef. I 
Alright, aloha and welcome to another episode. This is going to be very powerful and potent and I'm so truly honored to have my guest today. Her name is Jenny McGrath and she is from Seattle. We met a couple of months ago in a sensual embodiment container and you know when people kind of share their aha moments instantly I felt a connection to this woman through the work that she does especially around holding spaces for people with purity who grew up in purity culture and as I've been sharing on the podcast coming out of religion myself and kind of going into my own spiritual and sexual awakening I thought that this would be the perfect person because no she's not like me where we're just kind of putting puzzle pieces together she actually has a clinical practice she's gone to school she's been doing this work for a long time and I just knew that with her perspective and just the compassion that she holds and the way that she presents this work, it really is to bridge women together. And you know that I've talked about how separation is just truly one of the saddest parts of our communities. But as women, though we are raised on different parts of the world, that this work as we reclaim our own sensuality and our own sexuality, we really will knit hearts together. So welcome, Jenny. I'm so, so grateful for today. Thank you for having me. I'm so <laughs> grateful as well and really excited to be here with you. I'm excited. So before we talk about what you do, I want to introduce everyone to who you are. So tell us a little bit about you, your family, your upbringing. Um, as a dancer, she's a movement therapist, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love to hear a little bit about you and what brings you joy. Absolutely. Yeah. So I currently live in Seattle and I grew up in Colorado Springs. And so as we talk about religious trauma and purity culture, it was one of the epicenters of that within evangelical Christian purity culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I grew up mostly homeschooled. And so a lot of my life was focused around religion and kind of sexuality and what not to do mostly and I grew up as a dancer and so I kind of had these two worlds going on where one felt very repressed and very controlled and then I would get on stage or I would get into dance class and I was like oh my god this is what freedom can feel like this is what feels so good in my body and so I always knew that dance was something that was healing for me and something that I wanted to Uh, kind of live out. And when I was in high school, I broke my foot. um, And so that really changed a lot of the trajectory of my life. And for many reasons that I didn't understand at the time, uh, my my life ended up becoming reoriented towards missions work. And so as a 19-year-old, I moved to northern Uganda as a missionary and still wanted to use dance and movement um, and kind of weave that into what I was doing But then after a few years there, my body shut down um, and just said, no, this is not what we should be doing. This is not good. And that led me on a long journey to graduate school for counseling psychology. And that was where I also really started to unpack race and what it meant to be a white woman stepping into a professional context as a missionary or as a developmental worker. And kind of starting to look at some of these macro stories of purity culture and patriarchy and these systems in which bodies have been controlled. 
Um, and so I also started my private practice working primarily with white women who grew up in fundamentalist Christianity and continued to see these themes of dissociation um, and shame that really enabled a sense of complicity with white supremacy and with patriarchy. And so a lot of my work comes out of my own journey of my personal story and my professional story of how do we find liberation? How do we find freedom and healing for ourselves, but also recognize that that has to be, as you're saying, like a collective, a communal effort. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a licensed mental health counselor and my husband and I live in Seattle with our boxer dog. And um, I'm just still passionate about movement. That has been the number one consistent thing throughout my life is coming back to the body and even if movement is just breathing right. and recognizing how we are or aren't breathing like what does it mean to find that agency and that empowerment from the inside out is what I really really love it's so beautiful and you deal with pretty heavy topics on the daily and yet yes. you you have such a lightheartedness about you. So I just want to honor you in that because I feel like that's probably the eternal dance of holding space for just, like you said, shame and mm -hmm. disconnection. And yet you seem so connected. So I'm excited to dive in. I know that this journey for me personally into sensuality began with a conversation literally one year ago <laughs> and I was sitting wow. out in the mountains <laughs> and I knew that I was definitely stepping away from the church that raised me and very like my whole identity was being a virgin and my whole value of my life my my purity was more valuable to God than you know my existence yeah and it was for my husband and not all the things um but I remember sitting across the table from a really good friend and we were making lay and I said you know says like I feel the thing that has kept me back from even though I've quote-unquote achieved much I've still felt kind of like you said disconnected in some way and not fully within myself and I said I I have like sexual shame like and I, I wanted to unpack that, you know, and she just kind of looked at me like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I think where I would like to kind of begin this conversation is what exactly is sexual shame? And how can we like kind of create this lens? Because we don't talk about that in my community at all. And when mm -hmm. people talk about sexuality, we're speaking like, penetration and porn and like making babies and I'm like wait there's this whole world that I'm like I want to talk about so if you could just kind of guide us in a, in a brief way but yeah absolutely yeah so a few thoughts um one, the term religious sexual shame was coined by Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers, and she has this book called uh, Sex, God, and the Conservative Church, and she talks about how with her clients and her students, what she started to recognize, especially for women who grew up in the 1990s when there was this huge emphasis on virginity and purity was um, that they were exhibiting 
uh, symptoms that often would show up as symptoms of sexual abuse, mm. even if they hadn't experienced what we might consider like capital T trauma, explicit sexual abuse. Wow. Um, and so we have this phrase that we say in neuroscience that what fires together wires together. So if your whole life you've had any type of sexual curiosity or interest or impulse, and that has fired together with these messages of you shouldn't be sexual, you shouldn't want to have sex, uh, you shouldn't especially want to have sex with that person. And there's all of these expectations or demands, then what that ends up firing and wiring together is the sense that my sexuality is bad. My sexuality is shameful. And our sexuality is so connected to our vitality, our life force, our vibrancy in the world, our eros. And so what happens is we end up living either kind of really shut down from ourselves, or we can live really disconnected and what we might consider hyposexual. Right. Or we might compensate for that and act in a way that we might consider hypersexual, which also can still come from a place of being disconnected from our body. Mm-hmm. It just comes from a place of maybe this time it'll be better. Maybe this time it'll be better. Maybe this time it'll be better. And then we keep reenacting those stories of I'm bad, I'm dirty, I've done something wrong or shameful. And so then we really don't have a sense of trust for our own desires, our own pleasure, um, our own sexual interests. There's, there's that word trust. And it brings up a lump in my throat. Because, you know, I've been, I feel like if that was my special speciality, the last decade, it's been helping female entrepreneurs in business. And the biggest barrier is the trust. And now that I'm understanding, it is far beyond fix your mindset, have a good morning routine. It truly is within the body. And, you know, so many women, I don't know what the statistics, you probably have a statistic to give us around how prevalent, you know, sexual trauma or sexual abuse. And you said big T, little T, Um, you know, any kind of mana or like thoughts that you want to share around that with Mm -hmm. not having self-trust within ourselves and where that could possibly come from. Absolutely. Yeah. So often, um, you know, Peter Levine founded Somatic Experiencing Practitioners, um, Somatic Experiencing, and um, he defines trauma not as an event, but as not having a safe place to go in the midst of or after an event. And so in some ways, um, these messages about sexuality, while they might be considered small t trauma, can still have the same impact on the nervous system and on the body as a big t trauma, because there's nowhere to go to process. what you're hearing. There's nowhere to go to question. There's nowhere to go to experience attunement and connection that allows a sense of, I'm not crazy for having this dissonance within myself, which often is an experience that we have when we've experienced any kind of trauma is um, 
it's it's really scary to think that the world is wrong, especially if the world are our religious leaders or our community leaders. And so we will always internalize that as shame yeah. because that is easier. Right. And, and And I don't necessarily have a statistic, but what I can say is that in eight years of private practice and being immersed in this world, I have yet to come in contact with one woman who has not experienced some degree of sexual trauma and sexual shame. Um, and so I think it, it really does create a collective lack of trust, which again, I think then enables a, a complicity with patriarchy because it's like, well, I can't trust my body. So I must just trust my pastor or I must just trust whoever the next white male religious leader is in my life, because that's safer than listening to my body's own innate wisdom and knowing. And with that comes such a fall in line or else type of environment, you know? Absolutely. And so it, I think when I had to go and confess myself for not even fully having the sexual act, but just the thoughts or the natural touches or the experimenting and to and, and and now as a parent coming out of the world and like really unraveling all of this like what in the world it seems so normal right it just seems like this is the way this is the way that I will have connection to the, the divine um and it's very like what is that called you earn your way and uh-huh. and now with my children and so I think I shared this in our group it was like, I thought this work was for me. I thought that me wanting to learn, you know, sensuality, like how I shared, it's about my sexual shame, but really it was for my daughters because I, you posted a, um, a reel and I, I got choked up. I was like, Oh, this woman, like she just know. And it's because you work with so many women and your intuition so beautiful about our pussy, about our, you know, our most sacred tool. And I remember having babies and my midwife being like, put your hand down there and guide your child. But because I um, was told, don't look at it, don't touch it, don't think about it. Like I couldn't even grab my own child. And that Mm. is so painful for me now. And I'm like, God, I'm getting emotional. But when we talk about purity culture and like the disconnection, gosh, I didn't even know I was going to cry. That, um, that part of ourselves, we, who is in charge of all of that? So I don't know if you want to speak into any kind of, you know, learning your bodies and the ins and outs. I know you teach that in your course and, and in the work that you do, understanding your vulva, China, <laughs> and all of that, all that goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I first just want to acknowledge what you've just shared um, and how devastating um, that is yeah. um, and how common that is um you know i for for women not to be able to look at much less touch uh there are genitalia um you know i i grew up hearing messages that the clitoris was the devil's doorbell 
And if you touched it, you were literally calling hell, basically. I'm here. And, you know, what we know is that our genitalia is deeply connected to our vagus nerve, mm. which is responsible for our parasympathetic nervous system. And so really being in touch with our pelvic floor, regardless of sex or gender, mm. is really essential for our ability to feel safe and to feel grounded and to feel at home in our bodies. And, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's so normal. Like we, if we grew up in this world where we just know those are bad parts mm-hmm. until we start to question like, well, is your elbow a bad part? Is your shoulder a bad part? Like, why would your vulva be any different? Mm-hmm. Um, except for these messages that have really been used to harm uh, bodies of all genders and all sexualities um, and I would say very intentionally, because I think uh, tyranny knows that the more connected we are to ourselves, the less controllable we are. Um, Mina Salami shares this in this beautiful book, Sensuous Knowledge, like tyrants have always known the more robotic people are, the more easily controllable they are. And I think about that as like the opposite of sensuality and, and really living fully and freely in ourselves and being able to touch and smell and taste and hear and see what it is to be a body and and all the various diverse ways that we are bodies. I want to talk on a topic, you know, on a topic that you share so openly and I am so unfamiliar. You know, I, I only can speak to the level of I was a virgin who got married and had five children. And then I gave myself my first orgasm. And then I'm like, holy shit, like, this is a spiritual practice. This Mm. is like, I don't need anybody in between to be connected to the divine. I'm the divine. Oh, that's what the (laughs) goddess energy is. Oh, and then I just went into this vortex the last year. And like, when I talk about like, it just brought me in you have so much knowledge and I also want to hear about like the mystical part of you there's like this magic work in you and how Mm. has this work kind of brought you into your divinity Mm. thank you for that question um I think for me yeah it's What has been hard is the both and, right? And that as I talked about perpetuating colonialism and white supremacy through missions work and through Christianity and my complicity in it, that is true. And some of the most unexplainable magical moments happened when I was in my body moving and and praying and connecting to something that was larger than me. Um, And so that has been part of my struggle as I've left uh, organized religion and fundamentalist Christianity is how do I still hold on to to spirit, um, Mm -hmm. to life force, to creator and and um, 
especially as a white woman, not appropriate other cultures and other forms of spirituality, I think is something that I like, I, I need to be mindful of. Um, and so part of my journey in this has been deconstructing that while I am white, I have white privilege, white is a social construct um, and I'm actually not white. Um, I am Slavic and I am Germanic and I am Celtic and I have indigenous ancestors that had very real spiritual practices that were very connected to earth and to land and to nature and uh, many of whom were then burned at the stake for being witches. Um, and so I think for me, the act of connecting to magic in my body and in nature um, feels defiant to these systems of oppression that would say you have to go through a priest, you have to go through a pastor to connect with um, whatever it is. I, I think at this point, I would say I have no idea what it is and I think maybe part of the problem is when we try to define it right. and say this is what God is this is what spirit is and I think part of being okay being in my own body has allowed me to have more space to not know yes. and to say okay well the language part of our brain is a very small part of our brain so we may never have the language to actually articulate what our experiences are of these incredibly divine connections and moments that I didn't plan or I didn't do like on my own. But there's something that that I think leaves life really mysterious and really beautiful. I love that. That spaciousness has been probably so healing to not know. And I used to fear the unknown, like death. <laughs> and then yet even death doesn't seem so scary because then I also don't know, like what does that mean, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I know people listening and every time I share a taboo topic, I'm always going to get some kind of like, ah, and whatever, but it's just giving that space, like you said. And if this can help, one woman the way it's helped me just be like I just need a place to come and process again super grateful for what you share the part of me um you know that brought me into sensuality work was absolutely through movement as a you know generational hula dancer um someone who always just loved to express and then having that guilt in the back of back of my head mm -hmm. but then coming into like a you know women's sensuality practice and like whoa understanding that I said this is for women only and then I had a kind of a, a teacher say well I'm a hundred percent feminine I'm a hundred percent masculine and, and creating a space so it's you know coming into um, central embodiment work and now moving into like sex love relationship coaching and, and I already say that because I need to, it's for me honestly just to ask questions non-gender conforming non-binary like it's a world I don't understand but I really do think that we need just as much as purity culture there has to be a better space and support and I know that I don't know many people that are willing to have this conversation without more separation, 
Does that make sense? Like without uh-huh. our separation and in the last yeah. couple of years, it's like, if you're this, you're this. And I'm just like, we just want to talk. Yeah. We just want to like, what's your true experience? And can I love you for your truth? Like that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Not because mm-hmm. I want to put my space. So that was yeah. like a long way to kind of get to that conversation. But I'm just yeah. kind of seeing that as I take myself out of a box um, I also am so curious how you hold space for purity culture on another layer that you know people that are in exploration absolutely yes I am so appreciative of you bringing this question because this is something that I think is so important for us to understand and um, you know one thing that I think is important is that sex and gender are not the same thing. Um, And while they have been conflated, that we assign gender at birth based on genitalia, uh, there are bodies with penises that are women, and there are bodies with vulvas that are men. And um, there are roughly as many intersex bodies as there are bodies with red hair. Um, And so there are so many people that have a variation of a penis and a vulva or a penis and breasts. And so nature doesn't see binary. Nature doesn't see black and white. Nature sees a spectrum and diversity. And, um, you know, I've learned from Alok, who is a gender non-binary person on Instagram so much, Um, And they share that in many indigenous cultures throughout the U.S., there were four words for gender. Mm. Um, And there was two spirit folks who who were and who are considered to have both masculine and feminine. And it was actually part of the Christianizing and the colonialism and the missionary work of missionaries that said in the Hawaiian culture too in the Hawaiian culture too there wasn't like the the categories it was like we have a connection we have our you know love we we're fluid Mm -hmm. in a way but so yeah so colonized yeah yeah and so I think it's like like you're saying it's the work of decolonizing how we talk about bodies how we talk about gender how we talk about sex and in ways that are so much more kind and so much more honoring than this, there is quote unquote man and quote unquote woman and they're two very different things. That's just not how bodies are and how bodies work. My big question as a parent, you know, and and with my old lens and, and then through the lens of the people that I really, really love and respect who, and I honor people that in their faith and their truth and like the really beautiful aspects like you know you and I have have lived through um the biggest thing that comes up for me is when we talk about sexuality when we talk about you know gender whatever that there's this fear in the collective around well isn't that gonna lead to you know over sexualization and then I'm also just like but I do think so much of the suppression is why we have so much abuse prevalent with children and young women. It's like this shadow aspect that like always lurks because we're super uninformed. We're very confused. Like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's, I think the biggest thing. So 
on one side, and I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. On one side, I'm so like, let's liberate ourselves sensually and sexually. And then I'm also wanting to be this, you know, this mother who watches out for children and mm-hmm. teach young girls dance. And so I'm like, it always makes me wonder, well, these parents think this, that I'm open about sexuality. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's a totally. Like, uh-huh of the society because I know how sacred it is but I would love for you to speak to that on like you know the level (laughs) yes yeah I think it is so important um and I agree I think I, I personally don't think that child abusers or predators are born I think they are made um, and a lot of times folks who perpetuate sexual harm have experienced sexual harm um, and haven't had a place to go to work through that trauma, haven't had a place to go to heal that trauma. And so then they end up perpetuating that trauma. And, and so this is why I don't think that we can talk about sexual liberation without talking about social justice mm. and, and how we create communities of restorative justice, how we create communities of care, um, how we create communities of um, lack of hierarchy. Uh, because in order for consent to be consent, there there has to be a lack of power imbalance. And we don't live in a world where there is lack of power imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is still very real um, power that men have over women. Um, there is very real power that white bodies have. Um, and so it's just how do we hold that we need to be finding this individual healing and liberation and that is not separable from how we've gotten to the places of lack of liberation in the first place and and I think that requires us to look at these systemic things and and to be honest this is a maybe a hard answer I don't think we're there yet Um, I think we're living in this place of what my mentor Keisha Fikes calls the interim Like we aren't in the world that we want and how do we live now in a way that hopefully creates some more potential for that freedom and that liberation that we want to be in the future. Yes. And so I think it is, it is a place of tension of the both and. That's so powerful. And I just love the way that you share. Um, Why do you do the work that you do? Where where do you find your passion for the work that you do? I think it really is out of a desire for bodies to be free. Um, And I think that has come out of my own journey in in understanding what, what it feels like to be alive um, and what it feels like to not be (laughs) Um, and um, I think something that kind of allows me to keep going is the courage and the bravery of folks choosing to be alive 
in a world where it's not always safe to do so. Uh, you know, as a cisgender, white, straight, married woman, I, I have a lot of privilege to be free and to act the way that I, that feels true to me. Um, and we live in a world where not all bodies are safe um, to act and to live and to dress and to be in the way that is authentically them. Um, and so when I see bodies that don't look like mine or don't love like mine being unapologetically themselves, there's a sense of like, yeah, like how do we, how do I continue to find a way that's more free for myself um, and for other bodies? That's so powerful. That part portion around being free, I feel like sits so close to what we just talked about, about fear. That this fear that comes up, and then this is for my own self and, and learning this liberation work. Um, we fear the things when we really just want to be as free mm. in ourselves. Mm -hmm. and however long that's going to take for us as a people to allow people to be in their full expression it's because we really desire to be in our full yes, expression absolutely yeah and I often tell my students or like people in my courses I am the biggest learner of what I teach like I think I have yet to know what the fullest expression of me is I feel like every day I'm still learning and still trying to find that. But there are glimpses of feeling alive and in it's not going to come through the mind. It's not going to be like, oh, this sounds so nice. I like this show. Like, okay, that sounds nice for me. It's like the somatic expression does not have the words. And I would love for you to just share about your where you said your programs, your courses, the things that, you know, you offer so that those who are interested in learning more from you um, can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love what you just said. I often say we are feeling beings who think, not thinking <laughs> beings who feel. <laughs> and, there, and there is, you know, part of why um, my business is called Indwell is that I, I believe in us being alive and active from the inside out. Mm. And so much of how we've been taught to live is from the outside in. What does this look like? What, what are people going to think of me? What is going to, you know, fill in the blank rather than this is the truest expression and the organic version of who I am. Um, and so my husband and I have created a, a few online courses to help folks do that. Um, one is embodied story um, to help folks understand how our bodies are impacted by our story and how our story impacts our bodies. Um, and then so it has like the head talking, but then it also has movement exercises and these somatic explorations of the body. Mm. Um, and then there's one called embodied sexuality, which goes into the history of purity culture and why we got to where we got to. Um, and, it, and it teaches about consent and pleasure and what it means to find these, these things that we're talking about in these felt experiences from the inside out. Um, and then I also have online classes uh, where folks come from literally all over the world. It's been so fun to get to move and share and be together. So all of those are on my website, which is just indwellmovement.com. 
And then I'm also on Instagram at indwell underscore movement. And I will link everything into the show notes so you can connect with Jenny. There's one more question that came up and I know I was like, okay, I don't want to keep you here all day, but I want to keep you here. <laughs> um, you, you, you know, you're talking about purity culture and how, um, you know, the word started in the 90s and whatever. Because a lot of listeners that I have are mothers. What is some advice that you can give as someone who works with people to undo sexual trauma and shame? How can we parent without sexual shame? Do you have any just advice around that? That's a beautiful question. Yeah. I think that allowing exploration Um, Often sexual shame comes because of the stigma around sexuality. Um, You know, we don't have the same reaction when kids are looking through a forest as we do when kids are looking at their genitalia. And there can be these like immediate reactions that we've learned of don't look at that or just pretend it's not there. And so Um, kind of seeing what happens if I pretend that I'm putting sex on a shelf right now. And this is just a young body being a young body and doing what young bodies do. Um, Feeling pleasure, feeling exploration, feeling curiosity and learning. Um, And I think one of the most devastating things to me about purity culture is that it often didn't teach consent because the idea was that if you teach kids consent, they'll have sex. So just tell them to say no. Oh, and wow. I, think, I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for a lot of kiddos who experienced sexual abuse, they didn't talk about it because that would be to admit that they did something wrong because there was no category for if someone touches my body, even if I didn't consent to it or I didn't want it, that's my fault. Wow. And so I think the best thing that we can do for kids is to teach them that they are responsible for their own body. And, and I think doing this in, in ways outside of sex, you know, as it's coming up to some people might celebrate Christmas. One thing that I, I like to challenge in our collective consciousness is that a lot of times people think it's like cute to have the picture of a kid crying as they're sitting on Santa's lap. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like, what if, what if we actually tell kids, you don't have to sit on anyone's lap, you don't want to, you don't have to kiss anyone at our family get together, you don't want to, you don't have to hug your aunts and uncles if you don't want to. And then, and then they grow this sense of my body is my body, and other people's bodies are other people's bodies. So there's not the sense of shame, but there is a sense of respect. Um, that I'm not going to do something to someone else's body that they don't want, Mm -hmm. um, I think can be such powerful lessons for kids and for everyone. (laughs) And, you know, that brought up something for me. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) But when I was, you know, learning dance as a young kid, and, you know, I understand, like, it's a competitive group and got to look your best. Like, when you're tired, you're not allowed to be tired. Like when you're sad, you're not allowed to be sad, put on your face and like you just go. But the way that we raise 
children is to continue to push past their inner knowing and only as women now in spaces like we've been in Uh where are you on your bleed like if you're not feeling it and that felt so foreign to me you know like that was the first time ever and so in my classes now I'm like if you do not want to do this you do not have to and the looks that I get like what do you mean? Because that's exactly how we're raised. So thank you for that outside of sexuality, just tapping into the, the inner knowing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. I'm, I, it's, I think it's so uh, like unfamiliar for us to really give ourselves permission to even check in with our bodies and say, am I tired? (laughs) Do I just need to lay down for class today? And I'm so grateful to hear of how you're holding that space. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for the work that you do. Um, Again, if you would love to learn more and learn from Jenny, I absolutely highly recommend all of her links and the way that you can connect with her is going to be in the show notes. And I appreciate you and your open mindedness. And even if there was something that you feel resistance with, just know that I'm just grateful that you got to listen. You know, not everything has to ring true for you to love and for you to be present. And so I'm grateful for your time today. And I'm grateful for you, Jenny. And I wish you the best, you know, break and the best best of winter season. And yeah, do you have any final thoughts before we? Yeah, I also just want to thank you so much for this conversation. You know, I think as you were talking about connection is I think how we are going to create that world that we don't live in yet. Um, and even, yeah, as you're saying, having conversations across difference, uh, across disagreement, um, and getting to just hear from the heart. And um, so I'm just so, so grateful and so honored uh, that you've had me today and that we've gone to connect in this space. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. Aloha. Mahalo for tuning into the show today. If you loved what you heard and know that this may uplift and inspire another wahine in your life, it goes a long way when you take 30 seconds and leave me a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. I truly love it when you screenshot, post, and tag me on Insta at uilanitewango. It helps me in my mission of serving as many women as possible. Individually, we are one drop, but together we are one ocean. And if you would like to connect and learn more about my services and mentoring, check out the show notes below or head to gobeyondthereef.com so I can support you further. There's so much goodness coming your way, my sis. Now get out there and show the world how amazing you are.